This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. It's uh, Mercado and Manning, our first meeting for 2022. Welcome back to the microphone, Andrew Mercado. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, James. Yeah, look, gee whiz, hasn't it been a busy uh, summer? There's, there's been so much dropping. It's just incredible. I mean, you might have seen these stats. I mean, last year there was 559 adult scripted original series. Yep. Um, that's a lot of TV, isn't it? It sure is. And literally the only positive about finding out that you're a close contact of someone with COVID <laughs> is when you go into seven days isolation, you think, fantastic, I have got all this TV to watch. And and for me, you know, I try very much over the summer to try to finish stuff that I'd started and, and never quite gotten around to the end of. Yeah, yeah. Well, that 559 series, it's the, the biggest ever. It's up, up from um, 493, which wow. was a very, uh, in 2020, but it was 5.32 in 2019, so it's only just just broken that that number. And I think the um, small print on this is their uh, English-language um, adult-scripted originals that screened in the US. That's yeah. how they, they measure that. So maybe there's a few Aussie things there you could add to that list which um, perhaps didn't make it into the US, but... Look at how many international series that we're watching now. Some people like to watch them dubbed. I like to watch them original dialogue with subtitles. But, you know, you got Squid Game from Korea was one of the biggest hits of the year. If those are just the American shows, you throw in everything else from around the world. My God, how do, how do we find time to do this, James? Yeah, no, we don't. That's why we, we, we don't pretend we can cover everything on this, but we try and cover the major things. Um, you mentioned Squid Game briefly. Just I think last time we spoke, we neither of us had quite finished the season. Yeah. Um, we've we've both watched it all since then. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with the last few episodes. I just couldn't quite see the point of it all. But uh, what about yeah. you? I was really disappointed with the ending. You know, even just for the last five minutes, I was like, oh, no, no. I kind of suddenly realised what was going to happen. I went, oh, no, of course we're going there because there has to be a series two. Um, yeah, look, you know, I, I thought it was highly original when I started watching it, but you have to be in the right frame of mind to watch it because it's so violent. But by the time I got to the end, I was like, thank goodness that's over. Yeah, well, Netflix is certainly going all in on Korean uh, drama, so that... Um They've commissioned a lot of South Korean uh, programming. There's something like 20 series, I think, over coming in the next couple of years. So they're um, certainly banking that there'll be sort of residual interest in further Korean productions. Yeah. Um, I thought we might start with one of the most anticipated um, programs of recent times, and it's only dropped this week, and that's um, Julian Fellows' The Gilded Age. Yes, I watched that kind of movie-length premiere episode last night. It's streaming here on Paramount+. Plus. Um, I've got to say, Julian Fellows, of course, made Downton Abbey, and I love Downton Abbey. I watched it all. One of these days I'd love to watch it all again. I did hear other people over summer saying that they were doing a, a second viewing. Um, my first take on The Gilded Age was... Uh, I just get this feeling, you know, instead of it's like a British show 
but it's made in America and everything in America is always bigger, that doesn't necessarily make it better. You know, it's not just one house, it's uh, several houses on a main street in New York. And does it look a million bucks? Yeah, it does. Uh, am I going to keep watching it? Yep, I will. But did it have that emotional, you know, hook that Downton Abbey had in that first episode? Not yet for me, uh, but I'm hoping uh, that it, it turns out to be worth our investment, James. Yeah, it's a um, it's a great get for Paramount Plus, isn't it? It's um, I think it's the probably the most anticipated series they've had here since it launched. Yeah, and, and it could you know it could bump their subscription numbers significantly. I'm I'm still doing some time in the UK, and it's interesting how this series has been greeted here. The uh, Guardian's been pretty scathing. It gave it a one star review. What? <laughs> this week in the UK, um, it's on, on um, Sky. Yeah, it's right. on Sky here. Um, One star. Yeah, they it's called it. They called it Brownstone Abbey, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> that is um, funny. <laughs> I can see where they're coming from, but yeah, I, I I didn't mind it, but I certainly wasn't in love with it. It's um, yeah. it's, it's sort of soulless. It didn't yeah. have. It was very cold and, I don't know, it just – and nothing happened in that first episode. It was a bit of a – And there's that familiarity too of, oh, yeah, we've got the downstairs and then we've got the upstairs, which was so familiar to anyone who watched Downton Abbey. And you know what the whole thing reminded me of when years ago when Upstairs, Downstairs became a big hit on American TV and the Americans just had to make their own version of it and they did a version called Beacon Hill and, you know, it was a huge flop and it just made me think, yeah, there's something about those very particular British period pieces seem to work better in Britain and whenever you take it to America, there's, some, there's an ingredient that seems to be missing. Yeah, yeah, it's a um, pretty interesting cast, isn't it? So, yeah, it's a, it's a big cast, and we got to meet them all. So they certainly did a lot of setting up in that first episode. Yeah, um, and yeah, but there was enough for me to make me think. Yeah, I'll, I'll come back to sort of see how it unfolds. Very interesting seeing Christine Baranski in a period drama. And doing um, something quite different from what she usually does, which I think Christine Baranski fans will, you know, some of them will, will probably prefer her to be the camp caddy bitch that she sometimes plays. But, you know, it's, it's interesting seeing her play a little bit against type. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, similar with Cynthia Nixon too. I mean, yes. you know, um, just playing out of character what we normally see her in. I, and I considering what she's been doing in And Just Like That, the Sex and the City spin-off, uh, no. yeah, she's stick with the Gilded Age, Cynthia, and run like hell away from Sarah Jessica Parker. And I guess the, the actor doing much of the heavy lifting in that first episode is Louisa Jacobson, is uh, Marion Brooke, who's the yes. central character, um, yep. you know, um, She's got big expectations on her because of, uh, um, you know, her family. Um, growing up, everybody's sort of been really examining her, uh, Meryl Streep's daughter. Could yep. she pull it off? And she's, you know, she's done pretty well, I think, in that. Yeah, yeah, looking good so far. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, good seeing Harry Richardson in there too. Um, he's an English guy who was he played a role in um, Total Control. Yeah, how fantastic was that? He was that gay advisor uh, to Deborah Malman's character in the first series. He didn't come back for the second series of Total Control. Now we know why. Yeah. <laughs> so it was good seeing him. And then someone else I noticed, a guy called Jack Gilpin, who was a, um, had a fairly significant role in Billions. He plays a butler. It's quite a small role in this one. But, yeah, I, I sort of noticed him in that first episode too. But, but yeah, there's yeah. enough to keep us coming back, I think, to, um, to that one. Um, Stan's had a pretty incredible summer with some um, uh, amazing content. I mean, that uh, new series of Jump. Uh, bump. Bump. A bump, sorry, <laughs> bump, which I haven't seen any of yet. Did have you had a I've look at that second series? Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was as for as great as the first series, which I really loved and rated and gave five stars. This one wasn't quite as good, um, but it's still, you know, it told some interesting stories. Um, and you know, I watched it all. I binged it all over a couple of nights, and you know, still some great stuff coming from the kids, and you know, great, uh, great support too, also from Angus Sampson and Claudia Carvin as uh, one of the sets of parents. Yeah. And they've had some amazing, um, well, I think uh, The Tourist was perhaps a co-production. Um, yep. That, that's been doing big business in the UK. Um, it's on BBC One here. Um, Which is huge. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, it's been getting sensational reviews, um, big audiences, and um, it's, it's really done a lot for uh, Jamie Dornan too and it coincides with his role in Belfast which has just yeah, dropped right. um, this week. So it's been a, a massive um, Christmas holiday period for him. Look, I struggled with The Tourist. I watched one episode and hated it. I couldn't understand this kind of Americanization of the outback. You know, they're driving through the outback listening to American country and Western music and an American DJ and it was all, it, it was like, it, it, the outback was unrecognisable to me. It was just really strange. And I will note, Stan has pumped out the Australian locally made content this summer like never before. A second series of Bump, The Tourist, um, Gold and then Wolf Like Me. And I would note that Bump is the only one of those shows that is an Australian story. Uh, the others are all kind of, Wolf Like Me is set in Adelaide, Josh Gad plays an American, and Isla Fisher plays an American. And you go, but Isla Fisher's Australian. Did, do we really only need one American in, in these shows? Gold, which is Anthony Hayes' movie, which dropped on Australia Day, that that's set in kind of an American outback. They make that very clear. He's got an American accent. Um, I thought it was great. There's just three cast members in it, Anthony Hayes, Zac Efron and Susie Porter, but a terrific uh, one-off movie. I really like that. But The Tourist, I could just not come at. I just hated that first episode. And interestingly, I did a segment with Josh Zepps on ABC Sydney Local Radio, and he decided to do this segment on what TV shows do you not recommend? And so I went in and said, well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to say I didn't really like The Tourist. And we got a lot of uh, 
talk back on it. Some people said, oh, look, I love it. It's meant to be just a, a silly story. Just don't be so particular. But a whole bunch of other people agreed with me and went, yeah, I just couldn't stick with it. So, But it, very interesting that the Brits love it. And it's, I think, the third most popular drama ever released on iPlayer and it topped the New Year's Day TV ratings. It was the number one show in the UK. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying about the plot line and I've, I've sort of suspended belief a little bit, thinking, okay, this is a, it's almost a fantasy drama at times, you know. That yeah. When, when Alex Dimitriadis is first introduced, I think it might be the start of episode two or it's yep. episode three, you're sort of, you're watching and have I downloaded the wrong show, you know, because it's it suddenly jumps to this international sort of, underground, you know, um, mafioso-type plotline. You're going, what, what's happened to uh, my little outback drama? Um, <laughs> and then he sort of flies into the outback on a Learjet, you know, and it's all, you go, really? Come on. But but if you just sort of let back, and I've, I've enjoyed the way it's been plotted out with all the little revelations about um, Jamie Dornan's memory loss and yeah. how it, it's sort of patched together over the sub. So there's, I mean, there's there's quite a lot of interest the way the plot unfolds. I'm loving the cast. I mean, Daniel McDonald is great as yeah. playing the um, the sort of rookie cop in the Daniel in the outback. Yeah, she's great. Isn't she? she was good in that yeah. first. Yeah. Again, you know, you you wonder why are all these cops in the middle of nowhere in these sort of one horse towns? But but you know, you sort of let. And there's a, um, I think he's from Finland, that Olafur Darry Olafsson, I think his name is. Excuse me, that pronunciation. I saw an interview with him over here and um, he's such an interesting person and, and that, that he was cast in this. It's a nod to the international um, attraction, I guess. Um, Damon Herriman, look, never does a bad job. I'm, no. I'm really loving him in this. Alex Dimitriadis's character, Again, it's he does such a good job, and it's a it's a character. It's, it's a you know perhaps a little bit unbelievable, but it's again it's not like sort of some of the if you like domestic characters that uh, Dimitriadis has played, and I, he's really stepped up, I think, to it. Oh, I love Alex Dimitriadis. I think that he should be in more shows that showcase his talent. Um, but, you know, I know what you say about it being an international. We're making a lot of international products here in Australia, and that's great. I'm all for uh, Aussie-made shows and cast and crew getting to work on them. You know, I just don't want us to only be pumping out shows for the international market. I think still think it's really important to make Australian stories uh, and that I hope we don't get swamped by all this internationalness that uh, we need to kind of stream our shows worldwide. Yeah, and I've got a scary feeling that's the way of the future, though, isn't it, when there's, you know, so. there's so little domestic drama being commissioned yeah. by, by free-to-air TV here for, for 2022. Yeah. People are, are really looking to sort of... Um, people to co-fund uh, the, the productions here. Uh, something else, while we on stand quickly, I wanted to mention Trigger Point, which uh, launched this week. Again, a great get to stand. It's a massive show here in the UK. Um, again, I think, is it ITV or BBC One? Not sure, but it's um, it's certainly a big show. 
um, Vicky McClure. It's um, Jed Mercurio, oh. the guy from um, Line of Duty. Created Line of Duty, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just um, it's about a bomb disposal expert. Vicky McClure plays a bomb disposal expert. Yep. And uh, gee whiz, that um, the first episode's only gone out here. I think they're dropping one a week. Yep. And it was just amazing. And, you know, you the suspense in that first episode because you're thinking, okay, Vicky, Mc, uh, Vicky McClure, Jed Mercurio, um, bomb disposal expert, there's going to be a big bang sometime in that, <laughs> in that first episode. And yeah. it's probably not a spoiler to say there is one, but I won't tell you yeah. when it happens. And right. um, they don't disappoint, I tell you. It's... Um, that's a yeah. Excuse the pun. It's a, it's a dynamite first episode. That one. Yeah, great. And look, while we're talking about Stan, look, Wolf like me, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I'm allowed to say I didn't like the tourists because I loved Wolf like me. Isla Fisher was sublime in it. She was so good. And I didn't really watch the trailer, and I and I didn't. I kind of went into it thinking it was a romantic comedy, and it was a little bit more than that. So I was surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised, and uh, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else across the summer? The um, still on one more thing on Stan. Um, my favorite Billions is back for its final series. Um, yeah. The first episode of season six dropped this week. Um, notable, of course, because no Damian Lewis this season. Ah. Um, so he's he's um, he dropped out. The storyline was he. He sort of got convicted. In the, the sort of law finally caught up with him, but he did a deal and he had to go away to, um, I think he went to Switzerland and sort of um, had to hide out there under part of this deal he did with the, um, with the uh, law enforcement uh, that finally caught up with him. So, um, but it's so have been, they got a Damien Lewis replacement character or does the show, can the show go on without him? Um, yeah, no. Corey Stoll is Corey Stoll is yep. has stepped stepped up. He was he actually bought out um, uh, Damian Lewis his business interests in at the end of season five, and so he's right. taken on his business. Um, and it's almost feels like a fresh start to the series. It's almost a pity that this is going to be the final season because it yep. it's like a whole new plot line. Even yep. though, look, he's, he's inherited most of the staff. Uh, Paul Giamatti's still there as his potential adversary to make sure he doesn't cross the line and, you know, into too many crooked deals. Although um, Paul Giamatti has a, a problems a lot of the time working out what's wrong and, and what's right himself. Corey um, Stahl was actually in that uh, Steven Spielberg's new version of West Side Story. Oh, really? Yeah, he was uh, he was Officer Krupke. Hey, Officer Krupke, that was him <laughs> with a wig on. Um, Does he sing? I, like, I know that guy. Does he sing? No, he's one of the few characters in the show. He's a cop. He doesn't sing, but they have a song about him. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that's good. That uh, gives me another reason to want to watch that. Yeah. Um, so that that's um, I mean, if you haven't got into billions you're unlikely to probably start watching season six but you you could there's a nice little package at the start of that first episode explaining sort of what's happened um immediately before this and you could pick it up as a fresh tale you know so yeah 
It's uh, it's not too bad. Look, one of the big changes in um, that streaming has brought onto the sector, I guess, is the number of movies that are that are dropping on streaming platforms, and and these aren't just sort of the old it used to be sort of made for TV movies, didn't it? But these are are made. They have a major box office feel about them, don't they? That they're big budgets, big stars, and they a lot of them start life with a week or two in cinemas, so they qualify for some of the awards like the Oscars, etc. But but how are you finding it? Well, this is the time of year, isn't it? Christmas is when you release your movie. If you think there's going to be some Academy Award and Screen Actors Guild's awards. So, yes, we do see the more important films. We see streaming doing exactly what uh, the studios would have done, releasing them into cinemas. They want them to be uh, in cinemas around December and January so that they're fresh in people's mind when they come to vote and be nominated. Yeah, yeah. One of the big ones was The Lost Daughter, which um, was a bit of promise about it. I'm still not sure I felt about it. It wasn't groundbreaking. What, what, no, how did I, you feel? I just thought it was a waste of time. I was so disappointed. <laughs> I love Maggie Gyllenhaal and this is her directorial debut and she's got a movie with Olivia Colman and Dakota Johnson. What could go wrong? And for the whole film I was just like going, why, why is she behaving this way? I understood what Maggie Gyllenhaal was trying to say, you know, a very taboo subject about, you know, relationships between mothers and daughters, but I don't think she nailed it in The Lost Daughter. I would recommend people to avoid it, actually. <laughs> it was, I found it hard to realise why there was such a um, such a fractured relationship between the two. I, I, yeah. It wasn't didn't seem like to me there should have been, you know. And Olivia Coleman's behaviour in that town with the doll, it was just bizarre. I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, yeah, no, I didn't <laughs> like it at all. Uh, another one getting a, a lot of chat is, um, is it Don't Look Up? Yeah, this one. I watched it twice, actually, within a week. I loved it so much I watched it again with subtitles because, in particular, there was a song that Ariana Grande played when she played this spoiled pop star and she sang this song, you know, it's the end of the world, we're all going to fucking die, and it was the (laughs) lyrics that are so hilarious. Um, I loved the movie and I loved it that it created so much chatter and people either hated it or they loved it and people were, like, freaking out, you know, all the conservatives on Twitter was going, oh, this is a woke film and, oh, all the left (laughs) actors are in it, freaking out about it rather than going, hey, guys, it's a satire, it's a comedy, calm down, that's what good satire is. Um, I loved it that Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence were playing against type. Um, And, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. And Kate Blanchett, unrecognisable. I reckon I was halfway into the film before I suddenly went, holy crap, that's Kate Blanchett. Like, what a difference. A set of, you know, fake uh, white chompers in your mouth as teeth and a bit of a... Uh, makeup down the front of your nose. Like, they just changed her facial appearance so much. I didn't recognise her as as her character until she was uh, in bed relaxing and I suddenly went, oh, my God, that's Kate Blanchett. Yeah. I I like how uh, the film's director is Adam McKay, isn't it, McKay? Yeah. yeah. How he's he's got involved in the sort of discussion around it. and um, Yeah, on him. 
Yeah, yeah, and he's sort of, um, and he's he's sort of yeah, bring on the reviews. You know, we it's yeah. good to get all this uh, discussion, and um, in a way, um, sort of um, talking points that have been overlooked a little bit. This whole debate about our future, you know. So. Yeah. And I loved it that all the conservatives were losing their mind about it and saying, oh, it's a movie full of lefty actors. And it's like, hey, guys, the lefty actors don't write the script. Adam McKay writes the script. And if you really want to call him a left-wing activist, have a look at his body of work. I mean, he's made all the Will Ferrell movies, Anchorman and Step Brothers and Talladega Nights and Saturday <laughs> Night Live. I mean, he comes from a comedy background. And I think it's hilarious that people mouth off about a movie like that without actually looking up who these people are and just go, oh, it's a woke lefty film. I'm not watching it. Oh. It's like, hey, guys, it's it's actually a film from a commit from a comedian uh, with a great track record and uh, there's there's a lot in there. Like it's a satire on so many things in society, celebrity and the media and politics and, you know, um, billionaires who run tech companies. There was so much that he covered. I thought the movie was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, another um, series that's just dropped here in the UK this week is... Uh, the Responder with Martin Freeman. Oh, yeah. He plays a um, a, a bad cop, basically, um, sort of a, a cop on who does sort of seems to spend a lot of time in um, on night shift in Liverpool. Yeah. It's been, been called a, a really dark, sort of pretty depressing series. Um, the, the show starts off with Martin Freeman as in sort of therapy, if you like, um, and he's saying, I want to be better, I want to be a good Bobby. And it's not so much that he's a terrible cop, but he's just a bit lazy and right. he's, a bit, he's maybe too forgiving to some of the people that he, um, he should be booking and hauling off. He, he does little deals with them and says, look, if I, if I let you go, will you try and be better and not do this and... And he's got a little bit involved with the drug guy and it's sort of who's expecting him to do him favours. Um, and he says, look, all I've ever done for you in the past is checked a couple of number plates for you, you know. And But he's sort of drawn into this web of, of, a, of a much bigger mess. It's like a little white lie that's sort of got a bit out of control. But, gee, it's a, it's a really solo performance from Martin Freeman. He's just so fantastic in this. And I think it's possibly one of the best things he's ever done. Wow. And, and again, he's someone who often plays a semi-comical character. True, in a drama, yes. doesn't he? You know, you yes. think, of, yeah. think back to The Office, of course, which we, you know, really, really made his name. Um, I was remembering him in Love, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a funny sort of side role, making that sort of as the stand-in on a porno. Um, yeah. He was in, was it um, Lord of the Rings? Was he in Lord of he the was Rings? In, uh, or was it the, the, Hobbit. Um, the Hobbit? The Hobbit. He was the Hobbit. Yeah. Was he Frollo or something? I can't oh, remember. Something like that. I really avoided The Hobbit. I mean, <laughs> seriously, a nine-hour movie franchise from a book that was 90 pages long. It's, it was a bit yeah. too much. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been in Breeders. He, again, he yes. was a sort of edgy, comical character in that. It was a fairly serious drama at times. Um, yeah. But but he really he's really the sort of at least in the first episode, 
he's just it's really all about him and he really carries the series and it's just yeah. brilliant it's just so good um uh, yeah, so relentlessly dark. Someone else called it, but I, I it, it didn't seem didn't seem that way to me. You know, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. And there's there's so much that's going to come out. You can see them, the plots could go off in so many directions. It's been dropped here um, on successive nights. So a lot of the big ticket dramas in the UK they run them sort of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, sometimes four nights on the Thursday. And that makes an, an event, right? Then it becomes event TV. Yeah, it's like it's sort of a cross between streaming and dropping them one a week, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah. And it, yeah. it's a it's manageable streaming for people who can't devote so much time in front of the TV. And when they do that, they often tend to maybe put them all up on the on the, either the ITV hub or iPlayer yeah. to give give people the opportunity to watch it all straight away if they wanted to. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure that'll be coming. Um, that'll be available in Australia in not too distant future. But uh, Responder definitely one to watch out for. What have yeah. you got? What else is on your list? We should be talking. About? Oh, we should be talking about Love Me, which dropped on Foxtel on Boxing oh, yeah. Day. Now, just a really beautiful uh, romantic drama that was also surprisingly funny in parts. Amazing cast, you know, Hugo Weaving, Heather Mitchell, uh, Bobby or Robert Morley, just Bojana Nojo. I can't say her last name because I want to say Novak Djokovic. I did this on radio the other day. Well, she's fantastic. I love her. She was in Satisfaction. And if I had her name in front of me on Google, I would try and read it correctly. She was so great in this as the daughter looking for love. And then uh, it's, you know, it, 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 would, it could be a standalone series, but there was one thing in the last episode that made you go, ooh, there's, there's something spicy if they're coming back for a second series. And I hope it does come back. Um, you know, Foxtel, you know, really, but like for, to have a beautiful show like this come out during a really stressful Christmas, it was the perfect show to watch because it was so yeah. feel good. I think I can help you out. So, Bojana Novakovic. Novakovic, there you go. Yeah. Interestingly, yeah. Now, you'll help me out with this pronunciation. Uh, Shalom Bruni Franklin, is it? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, she's in this, and she's also the virtually the co star of the tourist. The tourist. Yeah. Look, I haven't seen any Love Me yet, but she whiz it. How good is she in The Tourist? Oh, my Lord. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she she's really, really She was yeah, in Doctor she, Doctor, and she seems to be in a lot yeah. of things at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, she's on um, well. She nearly carried the tourist for me at times. Really? Was, yeah. 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 She's, um, she's so pivotal to the whole story. And as that plot oh. unfolds, you yeah. learn, you learn things about her that weren't obvious in virtually each episode. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. she's, yeah, I, I sort of neglected her in the, in the first turnaround of that. So, yeah, that was really yeah. good. Now, something else I think you've been watching is, um, Michael Keaton. What have you been seeing him in? Well, you know, I watched one episode of Dope Sick um, and then it was on my list. I've got to get down and finish this show. And once I got into it, I could not stop watching it. So Dope Sick is the story of OxyContin in America and it's a bunch of FBI agents 
uh, who are investigating the immoral family that put this drug into small towns in America and told all the doctors that it wasn't addictive when it freaking well was. Um, and it's so disturbing. And Michael Keaton as this beautiful family doctor that gets caught up in it. It's a performance of uh, of his career for me. He was sensational. And Rosario Dawson is one of the FBI cops. Wow. If I had finished Dope Sick earlier, it would have been on my list of the best American dramas of 2021. Absolute must-see on Disney+. Plus. I think it's on Star, but through Disney+. Plus. Okay. Yeah, that's... Um Disney Plus has been having some um, pretty good shows. It makes it hard, doesn't it, the um, the content around for people deciding which platforms yeah. they're going to support, you know, because there's um, yeah. so much good stuff around. Um, one thing that just its title attracted me, and I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my list, is the woman in the house across the street from the girl <laughs> in the window. It looks hilarious. So this is a send-up of all those chick-lit movies. Um, yeah. Is Anna Kendrick in it or am I imagining that? Kristen Bell's in it. Kristen Bell. Sorry, yeah. I was th- I got Anna Kendrick was in the scary movies. Um, yeah. Kristen Bell, yeah. Is that Amazon Prime? That's Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'll be watching that. The other comedy special we should point out on Netflix is Death to 2021. If you saw Death to 2020, <laughs> it's Hugh Grant and Tracy Ullman and all of these hilarious comedians playing characters and it's sort of like a, a send-up of the year. So they talk about, you know, how the year was with COVID and Hugh Grant plays this old conservative university professor uh, who has trouble with pronouns in this latest one. It's so funny. Um, I was so excited to see it there and I just watched it immediately. Yeah, both of them are great, Death to 2021 and 2020. I think we've, I mean, we've barely scratched the surface on the, on the, the massive um, avalanche of content that Netflix continue to drop continually. But I think yeah. now was is Midnight Asia was that on Netflix? Yep, yep. I watched Tell us about that. I watched an episode, I of course went to the episode featuring Bangkok. So it's a story of Asian cities and what happens in their nightlife. And it was very much around um, young entrepreneurs. In the Bangkok episode, there was a son who kind of revolutionised his father's street stall and been, uh, t- had turned it into this huge, cool place to hang out at. And it was, you know, entrepreneurs going into residential areas that weren't really hip and groovy and putting the right bar in and changing the whole uh, nature of the neighbourhood. It was really interesting. It had a very uh, young person's focus on it and showing that, you know, these Asian cities are full of creativity and all of these amazing live music scenes. And the first episode in the series that I'll go back and watch is set in Tokyo and uh, there's an 85-year-old woman who's a DJ in a club. Like, you'll watch the series just for that. So Midnight Asia, also now on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Um- I've been watching a lot of Jimmy Carr over here in the UBK because every time you turn on the TV, there's Jimmy Carr hosting something. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but he's also got a very funny special, which I think dropped late last year on Netflix. Yeah. And um, gee whiz, it's um, very 
um, it's he pushes it to the edge, right? He, yes. He, his comedy is um, he always pushes the boundary. And at a time where people are, you know, worried about being woke and politically correct and he's yeah. really out there on the edge. He doesn't go all the way, but he goes pretty close to yeah, areas. That's good. I like it when they go close, yeah. Yeah, and it's good. He's always got that look about him. He sort of, you can tell he knows what he's doing. He's really teasing the audience, but it's, um, it's well worth it. clever enough, James, you can always be politically incorrect if you're clever enough. Like if you're a really clever comedian, you can say outrageous things. You know, we don't live in a world now where nobody can make a joke anymore. It's about how smart and clever you are with your humour. Um, and I think Jimmy Carr's a good example of someone that does it well. Yeah. As well as hosting his own show. Gee, there's a lot of quiz shows on in the UK. There <laughs> yeah. is so many quiz shows. You can, nearly have, you can nearly have a diet of quiz <laughs> shows. If you recorded everything, you could probably watch nothing else. <laughs> so there's just an amazing amount of stuff. Um, there's also and- an amazing amount of drag queen shows on at the moment too, Jane. <laughs> the latest series of RuPaul's Drag Race, there's some really amazing queens in it. But there's also there was also a show, Queen of the Universe, which was a singing contest with drag queens from all around the world, including <laughs> an Australian uh, person who had a ginger beard who did a pretty good job, and it was hosted by Graham Norton, and it seemed to be a pretty big show. I don't know who aired it in the UK, but it aired here on uh, Queen of the Universe. It was Paramount Plus. And I've also been watching Legendary on Foxtel Binge. So Legendary is a real version of Pose where you have these houses and they come in and they get given a theme every week and then they have to come down the runway and, you know, do the dance moves and have the right costumes and there's this panel of people that sort of give them a clap or give them a no. Like it's so freaking cool, legendary (laughs) on this. And just on Jimmy Carr too, I mean, it, it, a lot of SBS show, a lot of uh, eight out of ten cats does countdown mm-hmm. and it, yeah. it rates really well for him. You know, it does fantastic business. But he's got a new um, series here called I Literally Just Told You. Oh. Um, it's the first season. I think they've had six episodes so far. But what it is, four people and they come in and when they're introduced, he gives, they give a quick little background and the whole show asks questions about things that have only happened since the show started, okay? So say the first guest is a, is a pizza delivery man, right? There'll be a question about, now, Bobby, who did he work for? So the contestants have got to be listening to everything that happens throughout yeah. the show. That's very yeah. clever and they do things like he has a fake ad break where um, they, the contestants think they're in an ad break, but the show's still rolling and, wow. and, Jimmy, and Jimmy orders some, some takeaway food for after the show and things like that. And then if they realise, oh, this, they haven't gone to an ad break. This is really <laughs> part of the show. <laughs> oh, nice. But they really, they really play with the format. It's quite clever. Yeah. I think it'll do well. I think it could be in for a bit of a long run, and I'm sure yeah. that'll turn up perhaps somewhere like um, SBS. And I wouldn't mind betting there's maybe even someone might try the format, get the yeah. format rights for this because it's it's really quite clever and it sort of sort of sucks you in a little bit. 
Um, anything else should sort of on your menu there? Yes, I'm kind of busy watching the latest HBO half-hour comedies on Foxtel. So The Righteous Gemstones is back for a second series. This is the show about the American tele-evangelist family. Uh, John Goodman is the head of the family. and John Goodman seems to be acting in a different show to everybody else. When it's John Goodman, it's kind of, oh, yeah. And then his kids... Danny McBride and, you know, two other kids. They're just crazy like cartoon characters. It's a very odd show and it it doesn't really go together, but I kind of love what it's saying, which is, you know, that tele-evangelists are basically con men. So, um, you know, I'm, I've kind of been loving it recently and it seems to be paired with a new show called Somebody Somewhere, uh, which I've just started watching. I liked it. I'm going to keep watching it. But the big news I think here in Australia so far in 2022 is the success last Sunday night of Mustard Dogs on ABC. And I'll tell you what, after the success of the Doghouse Australia, Seven and nine must be running around their boardroom saying, we need a show with dogs. We need a show with dogs because they're rating. Yeah. Well, we're both dog lovers, so um, that'll be a a must-watch for me for sure. Absolutely. It's interesting because there's things on Foxtel I haven't been able to watch because even with a VPN, Foxtel is very hard to access (laughs) if you're out of Australia. And wow. I've I've done a little bit of research on it, and that um, I'm not alone there. That's um, they've got their protection is is so sort of intelligent as as yeah. soon as it identifies several people trying to log on from the one um, the one source internationally, it shuts it down automatically. So well, you see, the BBC's like that. My VPN can't get me into the BBC iPlayer. It just says, computer says no. And so yeah. I think they've got that intelligence stuff on that. They, they protect their material as well. Yeah, no, I've, I get a, I can watch a bit of BBC from Australia. I have a bit of success, but, um, but it's a VPN I've got to pay for and it's not cheap. But yeah, it right. does, does work. But yeah. this Foxtel one is next level um, <laughs> encryption and sort of um, <laughs> intelligence, you know. They, yeah. they, really, they really shut you down. Look, um, I might finish up with it's the time of year where I, I try to watch a few more movies because with the Oscars coming up, I always like to have seen as, as many as the potentials that, that I can. And I mentioned briefly before that Belfast has been on here and I, um, I got to see that. I went because, I mean, COVID, like in Australia, it's still pretty rife over here. So you're pretty nervous about going to the cinema. But uh, yeah. I went. I went this week to see Belfast, and gee whiz, that is um, so good. Watch out for that as a as a best best movie uh, nominee. I think. Well, it's in cinemas here in Australia, February three. I looked up. Oh, really? You got to wait that long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll get it. We'll get it before the Oscars, though. That's the main thing. Yeah, yeah. Look, Jamie Dornan is great. It's not that big a role. Um, Judy Dench is great. Again, it's not that big a role, but it's a real. You know, excuse the uh, cliche. It's a real ensemble piece, mm-hmm. and and it's great. Um, little guy Jude Hill is the star, if you like, who plays Buddy, the um, the the Jamie Dornan son, um, Judy Dench's grandson, and um, yep. but it's it's really clever. The photography is just sensational, um, yep. and it's just yeah, it's very good. So watch out for that. And there's a 
you know, there's quite a few films still that I want to catch up with on Netflix that are uh, dropping. I think Amazon's got some good stuff too. So I'll, I'll probably catch up a little bit on that over the next few weeks. What's yeah. on your viewing list? Well, I'll finish up by just giving another shout-out to Neighbours. They seem to have had a little bit of a mini revamp. They've added fourth walls to their sets. So suddenly you're in someone's lounge room and I'm like going, well, what's all that in the background? Like, So they've improved the sets and they seem to be doing a lot more location filming. There's a vineyard now in the show. They go off and have wine tastings and they walk around the, where the grapes are growing and all that. Their production values on Neighbours, they're so good. It's such a shame that it's on 10 Peach and 10 don't seem to have any love for it. The production values on Neighbours, they're always improving and always stepping up and trying to make the show look better. Hello, Ramsey Street. I'm still watching. Oh, good on you. That's good to hear because you've always been a fan. But I guess if that was maybe one of the areas that they they could have um, improved earlier on, but they've had great storylines, I think you've told us about in the past. Yeah. Now, this is an area that they've really brought up to spec as well. They've been doing it for years and years, but what I love about it is they never stop. They never rest on their laurels. They keep, you know, Lasseter's becomes a, ten, you know, a 10-storey building. There's a rooftop pool now. There's views of Melbourne. Like, it never stops. They never stop quietly adding new things to that universe. I love it. Yeah, it was, <clears throat> sounds like it's maybe time to, um, you know, spend some marketing and let people know because there's that, there's that cliched perception that, that I think I've probably had until recently about the, the sets are maybe a bit rickety and, you know, the, the, the bar just didn't look great and all looked a bit hokey. Well, we've spoken just then on this podcast that there's so little Australian drama on now and I think we should be paying more attention to Neighbours and Home and Away because they're there every week of the year um, and Home and Away should have a really good look at what Neighbours is doing production-wise because they could learn a few things. They need to step up their game. Yeah, in defence of Home and Away, I think one of the things Seven did do well last year was to promote it as, they did really as well. As a drama, you know. Yeah. It's it's probably um, long been one of the, well, it has been the, one of the most successful dramas ever in Australia, but last year it was clearly the number one drama, partly because there wasn't yeah, much really. else go, going on, but Seven did a good True. job of pointing that out to people, you know. Yeah, they did. All right, Andrew, let's leave it there, mate. Good to um, kick off the new year with so much stuff around to watch. So um, it's... Um, time to keep viewing. Good on you. We'll talk again soon. No worries, James. Have a good week.